Hi, this is Ben Lowell with Back to the Bible, Canada's Truth and Life Today. Welcome, and welcome, Dr. John. Thank you. It's great to be here. You know, we have a, a great friend with us today, a young man by the name of Andrew Marcus. And Andrew is a worship leader, and he's a uh, award-winning musician. And uh, he also went on tour with us. When you first came to Back to the Bible, Canada in 2015, yeah. Andrew went on the I Will Tell tour with us across the country and provided music and worship. And uh, he has just done such great things for the Lord since then. Yeah, I actually had him on staff with me uh, years That's before right, that. That's yeah. right, you did, yeah. yeah. So, so we're excited to have him here. He's a unique guy, but he loves the Lord. And uh, I think he's going to have a lot of great things to say about worship. And so we look forward to doing uh, that after the break. But right now, John... Take us into the Word. Yeah, glad to. You know, I know many believers have heard it said that all of life is worship, and really for the believer, all of life should be worship. But God provides means in our lives. And when I use the word means, I mean God provides ways in which He has designed for us to grow in holiness. I mean, one of those ways is as we regularly read Scripture every single day, and as we combine that with prayer, it is one of the means that God uses to draw us to Him so that we might become more like Him. Well, there are a number of other means as well, and they include times of fasting, all sorts of other things. But I want to concentrate on that one means that God has given us, and that is the weekly gathering together of believers. We gather together for worship. So I want to talk about that weekly gathering. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 25, it tells us that we are not to neglect the meeting together of God's people. And that's a command of God. Don't neglect the gathering of God's people. Make sure that you make a priority of that one day a week on Sunday when we gather together and worship. A couple of other things I want to say about that as well. When the early church began, they worshiped on the Sabbath because they came out of Judaism. And so they, all the early believers were Jews, and so it was normal for them to worship on, on Saturday. But as time began to progress, there are all sorts of things that happened. I mean, for instance, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2, Paul writes, the Corinthian believers in Greece, and he tells them that when you come together, he says, on the first day of the week. So clearly, believers had begun to, to worship on the first day of the week, probably for two reasons. Uh, one reason would have been that that was the day of Christ's resurrection, and so that was the greatest of all days, so why not worship on that day? And the other reason would have been, as more and more Gentile believers are finding their way in, they begin to worship on this day. We also know that in Revelation chapter 1, verse 10, John says, you know, that he was in the Spirit, he says, on the Lord's day. So clearly, the Lord's day had become the day of worship. But what do Christians actually do when they gather together? That's the big question. Does the Bible give us some kind of an idea of what worship should be like? Well, the first clue that we get is in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 42, and it's just right after the day of Pentecost. It says of believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. Now, you have, first of all, the apostles' teaching because, of course, the apostles are there to teach. But I think from our perspective, I mean, we can look at that and say, yeah, that's what we should be doing as well. We should be listening to the teaching of the apostles, which in essence is the New Testament. So verse-by-verse -verse exposition of Scripture is a part of our worship. 
The second thing that we see is that fellowship, and that is the idea is that the Christian life was never to be lived uh, as a a loner. You know, we're never to be that. We're supposed to gather together in fellowship. We are to live corporately and work our faith that way. The third thing that I want to say is that it says that they also broke bread together. It might be fellowship, but it's also most likely that they're sharing the Lord's table. And that's a part of worship. And then the fourth thing is that they pray together. So from all of that, I think there's a couple of things I can say about worship. And let's see if I can kind of package all of this. I think from the New Testament, as the New Testament develops, we see the development of four elements in worship that should continually be a part of worship services today. The first, which is not mentioned in Acts 2.42, is singing. We talk about worship as singing. And in fact, in Ephesians 5.19, it tells us to sing and make music in our hearts to the Lord. And then it says that we ought to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Well, the psalms, that's easy. No doubt, because they came out of Judaism and the psalms were the hymn book of Israel. That was their hymn book as well. And I would argue it should still be that. Uh, Hymns are probably the great doctrinal truths in the Bible. And in fact, many believers don't know that there are a number of hymns that are embedded into our New Testament. I'm gonna give you an example of one of them. Colossians chapter one, verse 15 and following, most likely was an ancient hymn. Probably Paul the Apostle wrote it. Yes, he did. Uh, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. You can almost hear the New Testament church singing this stuff. They actually did. So they would sing from the Psalms. They would sing the great doctrinal truths of the Bible. But they'd also have these spiritual songs, which are songs of adoration that flow from that. So corporate singing, I think that's the great element that's there. A second element, I think, is praying together. You know, many churches practice, let's say, even a pastoral prayer or others where God's people will pray. But we also include in that a time of confession of sins and then hearing that God forgives sins through the blood of Christ. So I think praying, a third issue is the ordinances. I mean, Acts speaks about that. Baptism and the Lord's table are a part of it. And then finally is the word, the public reading of scripture and also the preaching of scripture. So when we sing, we kind of lean forward and everyone participates together. But when the word is declared, and and by the word I mean not just a topical preaching, but to actually go through the text of scripture itself, read it verse by verse, explain its meaning, and then apply that meaning to the life of the believer, I think all of that makes our corporate worship experience when we gather together. So let me say it again, singing together, praying, which includes confession of sins, uh, doing of the ordinances together, and then the public reading and the preaching of the word of God. I think that makes up our corporate worship and it has for 2000 years. Now, the way in which we package that is sometimes different, but those elements I think are a part of what Christian worship is. And when we do that well, I think we set the stage for the rest of our lives throughout the week. Uh, we, we kind of see a pattern that my whole life is patterned around singing and worshiping and reading scripture and prayers that are made to the Lord, all of that kind of stuff. That's how God wants us to live our lives. So, so worship is about life. It's about growing closer to God. 
Hi, and welcome back to Truth and Life today. And as we mentioned, we have a special guest and a great friend with us today, and it's Andrew Marcus. Andrew, thanks for being here today. Man, so blessed to be here. Yeah, thanks for having me. You know what? Uh, my first uh, memories of Andrew actually when John first came on to Back to the Bible Canada as our Bible teacher. We took a little tour across the country, the I Will Tell tour, yes. and Andrew provided music and worship for us, and that was a great occasion. Amazing. And uh, thanks so much for doing that for us. Now, uh, just to give you a little bit more background, uh, Andrew Marcus is the uh, uh, pastor of worship and creative arts, right, at, uh, what's the name of the church Coquitlam now? Alliance Coquitlam church. Alliance Church, that's right. And also, uh, you know, really, uh, a growing personality, can I say that, or artist in respect of the worship world. Mm. Uh, you have uh, six albums, is that right? That's right, yeah. Six albums. The, the most recent one is Constant, yeah. and it's an award-winning album Crazy. as well. Crazy, yes. Yeah. It's amazing. And uh, you also just uh, recently came off a European tour. Yep, first, you know, first one. You know what? You've come so far... Yeah, since 2015, when we when we toured together, I'm actually surprised you talk to John or I anymore. But it's <laughs> well, when I got the text, I thought it was a different John, and then when I realized, oh, this is oh that John, well, gotta commit. Yeah, now. but he's a man gotta of God, right? See, he's a man of God. Have to commit. So Let your yes be yes. Now, one of the things though, I do have to say is that uh, you, amongst a few others that I know, um, are probably. Uh, uh, just exude kindness mm. and friendliness and and Christ likeness in that way. Absolutely. Um, you know, I know a few other people. I, Isaac Dagno would be another one like that. Just just very authentic in your walk with Christ. And so I want to thank you for that. Uh, you're a great friend in the Lord. So I, I appreciate that. But why we brought you on here today is to talk about worship. And uh, you do uh, uh, lead worship in your church. So I guess let's just start out. What's what's the whole point? Hmm. Uh, when we talk about worship, when you yeah. when you think about worship, what's the point? What's the purpose? What are you trying to accomplish? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's funny. We use the word worship a lot, and obviously we connect it to music or singing. But we know through Scripture, worship is not just that. Yeah. Uh, and so that's really important to even remember that, you know, worship is a lifestyle. Romans 12, we know very well, verse 1, take your everyday life, your eating, sleeping, walking around life, the message says, and offer it to God as, a, as your spiritual worship. And so worship really is your Monday through Saturday leading up to Sunday when we gather. It's not just when we grab our, our instruments. And I even think of, you know, Abraham and Isaac and, you know, that amazing story when he's going to sacrifice. He says, I and the boy will go worship and we'll come back. I'm pretty sure he wasn't saying, I and the boy will grab our guitars and sing a Hillsong tune. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. But I mean, it is a sacrifice. It is obedience. It is just fully surrendering and saying, God, you are so worthy. And so when we gather corporately, a lot of us have crazy weeks and different things going on. But we come together, we remind ourselves, we sing spiritual songs to one another and remind ourselves of the goodness of God, who he is, what he's done, what he's doing. And, and really it is, we're just kind of preaching the gospel with instruments and just reminding people of the gospel through song. Yeah. So there is a point. There's a greater point other yeah. than coming together. Uh, singing popular songs, yeah. singing catchy songs, yeah. listening to the guitar make a riff that you really, really enjoy or appreciate. There's got to be more to it than that yeah. when we come together to worship. John? Well, yeah, I mean, I, Andrew is exactly right. I mean, worship is our entire lives are given to worship to the mm -hmm. Lord. 
but we do because that God has so ordered our lives mm -hmm. that we are called upon once a week to come together. That's what you were yeah. part of. And in that, as the body of Christ gathers corporately, uh, we express adoration. Yeah. But I would argue that the preaching of the word is a part of worship, and I know Absolutely. you'd argue that as well, Absolutely. that the entire experience itself yeah. is an offering unto the Lord. And it's not as if it's the one time of the week we do that. It is mm -hmm. the culmination mm -hmm. of everything that we do because we need that point of celebration God knows we do. Yeah. So yeah. that's the good thing. Yeah. So when you're preparing for worship, uh, or when you're thinking about worship, what are you trying to do? How are you trying to engage? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, a lot of times people just choose the five most popular songs to fill that 30-minute gap yeah. uh, before the message. Um, I love talking with whoever's preaching that week. For example, if I'm at my home church, hey, what's your theme? What are you talking about? How can I help kind of narrate this whole story that we're trying to present about who Jesus is? And so that kind of helps bring a theme, brings everything together. Uh, as, as you said, the whole thing is like an offering of worship to the Lord. And so if I'm traveling somewhere and I don't know what's happening or what that church is about, I'll ask them what are their, you know, their master list of songs they like. Because I think at the end of the day, I always want to make it feel like a living room where people could let their guard down. They could be themselves. Uh, we're all family. We're all a part of this together. Oftentimes the congregation's actually leading me in worship. It's like we lead each other. When I see someone lift their hands and I know they're battling cancer, or when I see someone who's going through a really hard time in their marriage and they're worshiping the Lord because he's so worthy, all of a sudden they're, they're literally leading me in worship and we're leading each other in worship. And so coming up with, you know, the theme, coming up with songs that people know, so it's not like they're just standing and watching, I think... As, our, as the Church of North America gets more and more professional, and um, I don't mean that maybe in a positive light, um, everything has to be seamless, has to be perfect. It's kind of this production now. And I'm trying to run from that as much as I can because although excellence is important and the Bible talks about excellence and talks about a lot of those things, um, it could be a distraction and it could get us focused on the wrong things. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I think, by the way, that's really important because the whole idea of corporate singing together is that we're participating. That, yes. you know, I mean, I think when the sermon is given, I mean, we're sitting back and we're listening. Mm -hmm. But when we worship together, when we strain forwards, yeah. so if it's a production, we're not doing that, then we're just listening again. Um, I think the Protestant Reformation brought us that, yeah. this corporate singing together. So if we take that away from people, we've taken something vital. You agree uh, with that? Absolutely, absolutely. And I feel like a lot of churches, you know, I wrestle with it because it is becoming more performance, less engagement. Yeah. And there is a time and place for, for, you know, doing a special number. Hey, why don't we sit as the offerings getting collected or whatever it is. We're going to just meditate on these words and meditate on the power and the love of Jesus and just think about it. Think about it and sing a song in your heart or whatever. But most of the time, 98%, I don't do that a lot, to be honest. Um, I would say probably 98% of the time. It's, hey, let's stand. So choosing a key that works, choosing a song that they know, um, letting it flow. I think flow is so important. That's like, just like transitions within a sermon sure. are important. Transitions are almost as important as the songs in, in a set. Just to, because you're creating this space where people could be comfortable. And the other thing about the professional look and everything seamless, and you know, I led worship at a church in, uh, in the States and it was a big church, and you know, the six services or something like that, first service, 
you know, 10 minutes after the service was done, we all went to this back room, and there was already this whiteboard filled of all the things that needed to change. And I thought, who even wrote this, like, with yeah. such a short time? So we got in this back room, and we're talking, and it was very, like, you know, professional, smiling, everything, kind of like high energy. And my name made the list of <laughs> things, thing, we have to things we have to change. <laughs> and so you know what, though? So we, you're not back there, I take so it. So we need to, but we need to always grow and get better and develop. And how can I, what did I do? Like, I honestly was kind of excited to hear what they had to say. Yeah. Um, so they basically just said, you know, this, the story you shared was a little low energy. And I'm like, well, it's hard to share a really difficult season in life with a massive smile and high energy. Yeah. And so I just kind of suggested maybe it should go in a different portion of the set, maybe towards the end when we're kind of reflecting on God's goodness. Mm -hmm. It might fit more instead of, you know, song number two when we're yeah. still kind of entering in. Yeah. And so it was just maybe a, a different place that it needed to be. But I was just so blown away at the reality that everything needs to be polished. And if a non-believer walks into our church and everyone's smiling and everyone's perfect and everything is seamless, they're going to say, I don't belong here. Christians are perfect. And the reality is we're on the platform basically lying because we're not. And so I think authenticity in our worship needs to be hugely prioritized because we need to just share that we're real people too. We're coming together as one family. Let your guard down. We're all on this journey, and we can lead each other in worship. That's fantastic. You know, we're going to continue in just a minute, but one of the things you mentioned was meditating upon the words of the, uh, of the songs. Mm. I think that's critical. Maybe we can dig a bit deeper into what that really looks like and what that means. So join us in just a moment as we take a break uh, for more of Truth in Life Today. Well, thanks for joining us again on Truth and Life today. And of course, we have Dr. John Newfeld with us, as we always do. Yeah. Great to have you here, John, and our good friend, Andrew Marcus. And Andrew, thanks so much. Man, you shared some great thoughts, some great ideas. Uh, one of the things that uh, sort of uh, piqued my curiosity a little bit, because I think John's spoken about this before, is that the whole idea of uh, sort of meditating upon the words of worship, uh, the songs themselves. Uh, it sort of speaks to the nature of the songs, though, doesn't it? I mean, what are we meditating upon? The, 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 the makeup of the songs, uh, are they actually scripturally based or are they just nice? Um, John, I know you have some, some thoughts about that as well. Well, I have some thoughts because even as you were talking about it, I was remembering... Uh, we studied theology together. Yeah. yeah. Remember, you, yeah. we sat around a big table. I don't Love remember how many that. people were, yeah. were there. That. But I think that's so valuable that you've got a person who, who not only does worship but reads his Bible hmm. and actually knows what the central truths are yeah. and knows what the gospel looks like yeah. and understands the hope that it gives. I mean, really, we ought to be singing the things that God cares about uh, much less than the things that we care about. Absolutely. Yeah. So. It's huge. I think, you know, theology is the foundation of everything we sing. Like I said, it's like we're preaching the gospel with instruments and with a melody. Yeah. So it has to be gospel. Um, you know, even at the church I'm at right now, uh, I was kind of pushed into going through the ordination track and recently was ordained as a reverend because... They just said, you know, they need to be the most important theologians because people remember, like, they sing these songs throughout the week and they need to know what to sing and what to teach our people. And so it's so important that the songs we're singing, even if there's songs that I love that are so powerful, but it has maybe two or three lines that are a little bit funny, 
it's either we ax it or we give a pastoral address to say, hey, this is what we're actually trying to say. This is what the Bible says about this. And so this is what we're meaning when we actually sing this. And so. And I don't think this is a new phenomenon, if, no. I, if I can say about worship. I mean, I can remember uh, growing up, uh, singing songs out of our, out of our songbook, and, uh, and years, years later, looking back on those songs and saying, hmm, something's funny there. Something doesn't quite fit. I think a lot of the stuff that's in our hymn book, however, is really strong Absolutely. theologically yeah. because a lot of the stuff that wasn't was weeded out over the years. Mm -hmm. So what we actually got you know, was the best of the best. And, you know, so I think that's what's happening too. I'm going to argue there's some great worship stuff that's being written, and there's some stuff that's, well, not. Yeah. Um, and I yeah. think you're exactly right, Andrew. There, there's, a, there's a propensity that we have because it just sounds great, so we just keep singing it. Mm -hmm. But people are... The, the stuff that they remember is the stuff that they sing, right? And that's so scary. They, they, it's that's a lot. Scary. That's a weight on your shoulder. Absolutely. And so we go through lyrics very, like, intentionally yeah. Yeah. to see not only does it fit with what we're preaching about or whatever, but is this theological? And if it's not, obviously it's a write-off right away, even if it's the most popular song right now. Yeah. There's a lot of songs that are coming out that I literally have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder, I wonder, just, you know, with all the songs we sing at church, and we spend probably as much time singing in church as we do in a message or reading the word. And all the time that people are spending listening to worship in their cars or whatever the case might be, I wonder if we're, we're, we're in fear of allowing the worship music to actually teach us all of our theology rather than spending enough time in the Word of God. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm very, I, I mean, I love worship. I mean, I've got to tell you, Ben and, and, and Andrew, yesterday, I mean, I was just kind of down, and I just decided to listen for a while just to mm. some really strong praise stuff which mm. had, you know, words that just inspired faith, and in just a very short order, mm. my heart was just singing, wow. you know? Wow. But that's what it's supposed to do, isn't yes. it? Yes. I mean, there is this thing about sing and make melody before the Lord. Yes. Um, and God has created our hearts, I think, to resonate with the sound of music. Yeah. So if we put that together with his truth, yeah. I mean, that lifts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Can I ask you, uh, we only have a couple more minutes, but uh, uh, if you were to encourage uh, up-and-coming worship leaders or worship leaders right now, what are some of the ways you would encourage them in respect to how they're going about what God has called them to do? Well, that's a great question. I think our worship is in, you know, we talk about this with baptisms at our church, and it's this, it's the, I'd say it's the same thing for worship. It's an outward expression of an inward reality. Mm -hmm. And so for worship leaders, songwriters, musicians on the platform, the Monday through Saturday is, is critical to be in the Word, to spend time with the Lord, be in your quiet place, and that overflows onto Sunday morning. Um, I think a big thing for me also is mentorship always having someone that is mentoring you and teaching you the rope, someone who's gone five, five years before you or 10 years before you, and then always mentoring someone. We can always mentor someone. We're always ahead of someone, but we're also always behind. So I think always mentoring, always being mentored, and just learning, learning the ropes from people and teaching what you know to the next generation is so important. I think it'll build our church. And also don't worry about perfectionism on stage. Yeah. I think it needs to be okay if Sunday morning might be a little messy because we're just learning and we're figuring this out and kind of being led by the Spirit. So 
Thanks so much, Andrew. I really appreciate it. And just so you know, uh, Andrew's got, like I said, six albums. Uh, he has a website, andrewmarcusmusic.com, yeah, right. and you can see his music. You can see all the things he's about doing, uh, things that are coming up. Uh, uh, I think reviews of the tour you did in, in Europe last year. Yeah. And and you know what's even more exciting, John? Andrew Marcus is going to be coming to Israel yes, with us absolutely. Uh, this year. So, and so we're excited about that. He'll be leading so worship excited, uh, with a friend he's bringing along as well. So we look forward to that. Thanks again, uh, Andrew, for being with us today. And uh, it's been fantastic. And in just a minute, we're going to be back with Dr. John Newfeld. So join us right after the break, right here on Truth and Life Today. Well, welcome back to Truth and Life today. And uh, we had a great conversation, yeah. John, with Andrew Marcus. Yeah. He's a great guy. He's he's an inspiration. I, uh, I think a bit of a, a fresh wind for me in that respect when you think about worship. And uh, tell us, a couple of things that we were talking about, what are some of the highlights for you in respect to our conversation? Well, you know, uh, Andrew Marcus is an accomplished musician. Yeah. Um, and he is listened to uh, throughout this continent and in Europe as well. So. He is beginning to become a rising star, and yet it was refreshing for me to hear that when it comes to corporate worship, he wants to make sure that, you know, the worship isn't too loud, that people are actually engaged. He doesn't want performance worship band. Yeah. I mean, that's the beauty of that thing, right? He wants to make sure that God's people are a part of that. And if anybody could make, you know, worship a performance art, I'm gonna tell you that man can, but he refuses for the glory of God. Yeah, and, and how would you, how would you encourage worship leaders today? I would wanna encourage them to say, make sure that you're asking yourself, what are the truths that we're singing? Is this a singable song? I mean, you know, that's a, that's a huge issue because, you know, a beat can be so syncopated that nobody can catch on to it. And I would argue that's not for worship, it's for performance. Yeah. So let's not do that. Um, so I would argue, how are we contributing to the Godwardness of our lives. That's, I think, the issue. Well, thanks, John. It was a, it was a great time together with Andrew mm -hmm. Marcus. And, and remember, you can check out everything about Andrew Marcus at andrewmarcusmusic.com or everything about Truth and Life today at truthandlife.ca. Join us again next week, will you? <laughs> 